0: Hey, I'm it's you Stand up. Go and say good day to a couple of people. Tell them you are amazing for coming here in the crazy rain. Is that all good? Or, or whatever you want. Tell them they look fantastic. Cheers, cheers. A seat, have a seats. Good inho. E inho. E Um, Hey, just a quick weird thing. So I had a really heavy week of pastoral care this week. I was doing a whole bunch of job interviews for a couple of jobs I got as well, but heaps of really big pastoral care stuff. And I was here this morning. I had my time with Jesus this morning before I came to church and all that stuff, but I was just feeling really heavy when I came in and stuff. But this is where I love sitting in the front, because shot for singing, like, it just sounded amazing. And it was really weird going from the beginning of the service to now, I, I just my soul just felt real different. Do you know what I mean? It was really weird. And the cool thing, I, and I'm going to try not to cry when I say this. I was like, it's so cool. It's like we are the family of God. We are whānau, right? And it's like I was feeling heavy and burdened, and you're all praising and worshiping God, which just, like, lifted my soul. So it was cool. So I was going to say, so if you're ever feeling heavy, it's in the front, because it sounds really different down the back, so <laughs> it's all good, eh? Anyway, sermon time, eh? Hey, um... Yeah, and kia ora to the podcast people and the video people. Um, awesome to have you connecting in, eh? Um, if you're sick, we'd love to be praying for you. I know some um, folks in church are, are sick, and so they're finding it really hard to get here. So just let us know. You can um, either email office at agorachurch.nz, um, get hold of me, I'm like on social media and all over the place, and we'd just love to pray for you. The um, other thing I was going to say is I know some of you listening on podcasts or on the video, so I'm looking at the camera if you're like, where is he looking? <laughs> so kia ora, people on the camera. Um, I was going to say too, we have really cool life groups here at church. So we've got like 10 or 11 different life groups of all sorts of different flavors and stuff. So um, if you're someone who kind of would love more than just watching um, on video or listening to the podcast, but you can't get here to church on a Sunday, then we'd love to help connect you to a life group. So you could email, again, office at agorachurch.nz, and the amazing Sarah would be able to connect you in with a life group. So we'd just love to connect with you more and serve you. So, all good. Anyway, kia ora morana and kia ora to all of you. That was really weird talking while you were sitting there going, what's this clown on about? So, anyway, all right, we're doing carrying on this Connect series. You guys know where we're going, this whole connect up with God, connect in, so us, and then connecting out or connecting others to, to Jesus is where we're heading. Um, and at the moment, the, the first few Sundays of the year, we're just doing this connecting with God, right? That's, as I said every, every Sunday so far, that's the core of who we are. Our relationship with God has to be the core um, of everything, I think, right? Um, and so this is the phrase that we were talking about, um, or I was talking about, and you were listening um, last week, as you matter to God, so prayer matters, right? And I, I spent a lot of time last week just talking about the importance of prayer because God cares about you. If God didn't care about you, then prayer would be stupid because you'd be praying and God would be like, what are you doing, rambling on? I, I just don't care. And he'd zap us or something. But because God loves us and cares for us, then he loves to hear our prayers. And he literally changes as we read in that Timothy verse. We're going to read it in a minute. Um, God literally changes things based on the prayers of his people, which just blows me away, right? Um, and one of the things I want you to know is the elders are really big prayer people. So we have an elders meeting every three weeks, um, six o'clock in the morning. What is this madness? Um, So every three weeks they have an elders meeting and we spend the first kind of 20 minutes, half an hour just praying for the church. So we talk about what are some of the pastoral care issues and then we just pray for the church, which to me is awesome, right? Um, We as elders or leaders, we have a shepherding meeting once a month. And so the shepherding meeting is where we go to one of the people's house with all our spouses, all of our spouses, because some of us have multiple spouses. It's interesting, but <laughs> with all the spouses, aren't oh no, Yes, yeah, sorry, Joe. Now um, the spouses come and we spend an hour having dinner together, which is really cool because we feel it's better. The more tight we are as friends, the better we're going to make decisions and be able to discuss heavy things. So we have dinner together and just hang out and catch up. What's going on? And then we spend about an hour and a half to two hours just praying for each other. So we don't really pray for y'all much then. Um, we go around and just share what's going on. What can we be praying for? And people are really open and honest. It's cool. And then we just pray for one another. So, so the elders are big prayer people, I wanted you to know. They really do pray um, for you and pray for one another. They really believe in, in prayer, eh? Hey, I wanted to just read the first couple of verses of, the, of what Hale read before and just make a quick comment on it. Um, so if you've got your Bible, go back to First Timothy 2, because to me, it's just pretty wild what, what Paul is claiming in here, right? Um, so I'll read it. It says, um, verse 1 and 2 says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. I, I love that, right? Um, I was reading some stuff on prayer this week, and Pete Gregg, who's one of my favorite authors, especially around prayer... And Nicky Gumbel, who Nicky Gumbel was a pastor over in England and started Alpha and all that crazy stuff. So he's just retired, but legend of a dude. So they wrote a whole bunch of stuff on prayer, and this is a quote from one of their things. Um, it says, this is so they're reflecting on those verses from Timothy. This is an important principle here. Paul believes that the prayers of ordinary believers have an effect on the lives of people they have no contact with. Now, just stop for a second and just chew on that for a minute, because that just blows my mind. The fact that you, because you're connected with God, you can literally call out for anyone on the planet and God can literally change what's going on in this situation. Insane, right? Because of who God is, not necessarily you, because you're amazing, but God is the one, right? And then it carries on. God wants us, the church, to pray for specific things. God wants to impact society. God wants to transform lives. And he has ordained that one of the ways that this happens is through prayer. God chooses to partner with us we are co-labourers with Christ. Man, I just love the, the power in these verses, right? Um, that whole reality, and I, I'm real visual, so I always visualise it. Often when I'm praying for one of you who's going through a hard time or something, I literally visualise, not in a weird, spooky way or anything weird like that, but I will literally visualise myself, man, I'm going to be praying for, I'll pick on Jost, Right? I'm praying for Jose right now. Man, and Jose is indwelt by God. So it's not like I'm talking to God who's in heaven somewhere, like some weird satellite, and then he's going to beam down power to Jose or anything weird. I'm literally praying to God who indwells Jos, so he can guide her and strengthen her and empower her. Does it make sense? Eh? I'm like, what a privilege I have. Jos could be really struggling, but just because I take time to stop and pray, everything about what's going on in Jose's life could change. And it's like, whoa. Again, not because I'm amazing, but because I'm connected to the one who's over all. And who, oh, I just find that absolutely amazing. The other thing that I love from these verses is, and you see it in the Old Testament, but I love how Paul makes it really clear here. And I, I want to say this kind of carefully, so I don't, don't sound like a um, crazy political weirdo. We really can change the direction of our country through prayer. That's what Paul's saying, right? <laughs> We really can. So I'd encourage you, when was the last time you prayed for our new Prime Minister? What a nightmare of a situation he's just walked into with all the flooding and the craziness in Auckland. He's been up there trying to support and encourage and and see what's going on. And I'm like, man, Paul calls us and says, pray for those in power. Why? Because our prayers affect, our prayers change things, right? Not that God changes their mind, but he can guide them and strengthen them. Oh, I just love that, eh? Um, I love this little quote from John Wimber. This feels like a cheating because well, I'll show you the quote, because every time I read this, it feels like I'm cheating, but I'm totally not when I pray, so I love this quote from John Wimber. Um, prayer is meeting the needs of others based on God's resources. It's cool, eh? It's kind of like, well, it doesn't really cost me much because God's the one that does all the changing, but it does. It, it costs me my time and my intentionality and stuff. I love it, eh? Oh, it's cool. All right, so I'd planned on preaching on prayer, Uh, again today, because I think prayer is just vital, right? It's a core part of our relationship with God. But it felt like God had other ideas. And so every now and then when I'm writing a sermon, I want to go down one path, and it just feels like everything keeps going down a completely different path. So I wanted to preach on prayer, but God kept directing me, I think it was God, or else it was just me being crazy, to talk about trust. Um, And so about trusting God, because that's a key part of our connection. So I want to say two things here real seriously. One, I'm going to talk about people struggling in hard times and needing to trust God. And so the first thing I want to say is, I know some of you are not having hard times. You're going fine. You're going great. So I don't want to be like that morbid guy that's like, woe is us, and you're like, what are you talking about? So if everything's going great for you, woohoo, go you. The other thing I want to say is I'm going to try and be careful to not trivialize struggles, if that makes sense. Um... Because when we're going through a really hard time, and I mean really, really hard, scary time, for some clown to stand up and just be like, just trust God, you just want to slap them, right? (laughs) And justifiably so. So if you want to slap me afterwards, don't. (laughs) Um, So I just want to be a bit careful on that because I know some of you are going through big, heavy stuff and I just don't want to do the whole, just trust God and it'll all be fine and we'll all smile and hug each other. It's not that at all, right? So that's where we're going, this this kind of trust thing. all right, so I've got three points that progressively get tougher, is the idea of them, right? So here's the first one, if my thing works. Whoa, my thing's not working. There it is. Christianity involves trust. Paul and Silas sing in the face of horribleness, <laughs> Acts 16, 16 to 26, which is what Hillary read um, before. And you need to understand, again, Try and try and visualize it if you can, to get the craziness of what they're doing. So... In Roman society at this time, the beating they had was real common, right? So if someone was being a troublemaker or doing something, if it was real bad, you got crucified. But if it was just a troublemaker, someone being um, frustrating against the authorities, this beating was real common. So the way they did it, I think I've explained it to you before, they'd strip them naked, which is terrifying. Uh, And then they would have long, quite bendy rods, or they call them reeds sometimes, but they're really rods. Like Imagine a slightly thinner, slightly bendy, long broomstick, if you've got it. And then they'd usually lay them down and just beat the out of them on their front, turn them over, beat them on their back. They'd beat the soles of their feet so they couldn't walk for ages. They'd often break bones in their feet and their fingers and stuff like this. Um, The beating would be, there'd be welts, there'd be blood. It was very full on, right? A real full on thing. Um, And then they chain them up, as you saw. And the thing to remember is they're now probably still naked because they don't care, the jailers don't care. They're most probably still naked. They would be in so much pain, it would just be incredible. Possibly still bleeding and stuff, because later on the jailer sorts out their wounds, remember, if you carry on with the story. Um, and so possibly bleeding, broken, very sore, feet in stocks. So you imagine, like, this is a bit graphic, but imagine you just had your butt <laughs> beaten by someone who's very angry with a broomstick, and now your feet are in stocks, and it would be so painful. There'd be no way you could get comfortable, right? And I, every time I read this passage, I'm like, man, I'd be ticked off with God, to be honest. Because I'd be like, seriously, God, we're trying to do the missionary thing. We're trying to tell people about Jesus. We even cast out demons. Remember the slave girl? What are you What are you doing with all this? But instead, and, and Halei read it really well. Instead, it's they're praising God <laughs> and they're singing hymns. And I love how... Um, how Luke when he wrote this records that all the other prisoners were listening and then we know later on because the jailer then comes to them after the earthquake and it's like what do I need to do to be safe so he's listening as well right and I love how they're so conscious of that that in the midst of really 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 bad stuff and they don't know what's coming the next day right we read on and know what's coming they don't know what's coming the next day they don't know there's an earthquake coming but in the midst of really bad stuff like that's really horrible <laughs> naked beaten chained it's just nasty and, and they're still praising God, and they're still praising God so that others will hear. I just love that. Are you with me, eh? Okay. I don't know if you're with me. I'm getting nervous. I wanted to say, I think some of you are like that. <laughs> some of you really are. Um, I'm really in awe of the faith and the trust that heaps of you have in God. Um, I know some, in, in very small quotes, of the, the struggles and the hard stuff that heaps of you are going through and heaps of you have gone through in the past, and I honestly stand in awe of your faith and your strength and your trust in God. Um, and I think it's really good for those of us that don't have that strong faith and that strong trust about to look on and go, okay, okay, I can learn from you. So I just want to say thanks <laughs> to those of you who are going through hard times and you're keeping your eyes on Jesus, you're continuing to worship and praise and struggle away, because it inspires us, right? It inspires us. Um, Okay, so that's the first one, Paul and, uh, Paul and Silas' craziness. Um, here's the second one, and, and this is one of my, can you click, Victoria? Um, this is one of my favorite um, stories in the Bible, because it's just so crazy. Can you click over, Victoria? Yeah, so Christianity involves um, trust. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow in the face of death, right? Um, absolute death, so it's kind of like the next level. So Paul and Silas beat in, but yet they still were able to trust God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego literally facing death, but yet they're able to trust God. So let's go to um, Daniel 3. So if you got your Bible, jump over to Daniel 3. I'll explain it, and then I'm just going to read a few um, verses. So where are we going? Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel 3. All right, so I'm sure you know the story, but let me just make sure we're on the same page before I read a few verses. So um, uh, the Babylonians have conquered Israel, um, well, Judah, the bottom two tribes, uh, taken them off to um, Babylon and these three guys and Daniel, but Daniel's not mentioned in this story for various reasons um, these three guys are trying to follow God in the midst of a very foreign culture, right? And so Nebuchadnezzar who is one of the most arrogant people in the history of arrogant people, he builds a um, statue that's eight stories high, so I don't know, what's a building in Hamilton that's roughly eight stories, anyone know? What would be an eight story-ish building? What's What's that? Yeah, Edwards White, a bounty of no one, but he's not here. Anyway, imagine an eight-story. So it's massively high, and most people, and it's covered in gold. And most people think the time of worship would be when the sun would come and hit it. So the idea would be you'd all be standing there, and it would just be like, ah, amazing worship, worship. And either a statue of Nebuchadnezzar, or most probably a statue of one of the many gods that he worshipped. Right? And you guys know the story. the The thing is, if you don't worship the statue, you get cooked, (laughs) you get burnt alive, right? So it's either bow or fry, is the way I always think of it. Um, And so you can kind of visualize it again, the way they, this was a real common practice in the ancient Near East. And the way they did it is they had these huge furnaces that were giant like circles, if you like, kind of cone shaped a bit. Um, and open at the top, and then in the side there'd be like an opening where the air could go in and where they'd be able to shovel out all the ash. And they were so huge, they'd literally just be chucking in logs, right, huge, get it absolutely roaring, and then they'd have um, either a ramp or stairs up the side, and they'd just march the people up and literally just push them in, right? <laughs> what a horrible way to go, right? And so going Michigan, be to go know this. They know the threat. They know what um, Nebuchadnezzar's threatening them with. And yet they refuse to bow, which to me, this takes you to the next level from Paul and Silas, right? Paul and Silas, it's the beating. This is certain death, because Nebuchadnezzar's not going to be like, oh, wow, it's just between, you know, <laughs> they're going to die. So if you've got your Bible, go down to, um, to verse, we we'll just have to read verse 13, because it always cracks me up. Um, this is Daniel 3. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage. I just always love that verse. Okay, down to 15. Um, where are we? Where's verse 15 gone? Um, he says, I'll give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I've made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you'll be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then I love this little statement. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Now, I always read it like this, because he's angry. He's red-faced. He's so angry. And I always read it like this. And what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Like, he's the, the awesome, almighty Nebuchadnezzar. Ah, Very fantastic. I thought that was funnier than most of your faces, but that's okay. Next verse, Shadrach, Meshach, and this is the crazy reply. We all know this reply, but it's just awesome. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, and I always read it like they're Kind of sad for him because he just doesn't get who God is, right? So I always read it like this. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. In other words, they're just totally not worried. I just love it. They're like, eh, if you chuck us in, we don't care. God can get us. Their faith is so strong, their trust. Um, He'll rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, in other words, even if we go into a most horrible... You imagine being burned alive. I can't even imagine. it. It would just be heinous, right? But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you. Your Majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold stat- statue you've set up. Man, I just love it, eh? Their, their faith, their trust in God is just so incredibly strong. So here's my question What did Paul and Silas do pre the prison? What did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do pre the furnace that brought them to a place where their trust in God, their faith in God is just almost arrogantly strong? Do you know what I mean? It's so strong. They're just standing there going, you know, and the furnace maybe standing is right they're like, we don't care. Chuck us in. If we, if we fry, we're not worried. If God rescues us, we're not worried. God's got us. And I'm just like, how, how did they get there? What have they done leading up to this? Does it make, Are you with me, eh? Okay. So because y'all are way smarter than me, which happens every time because then we do questions and you guys say amazing things, it's question time. Okay, so I've got two questions. I was way too lazy to write out Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, so I put up there. So how does Paul, Silas, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have such trust and faith in God when certain death or hardship is in front of them? And then the other question, what are some actions I can do now to develop my trust in God? So two pretty simple questions. So grab either one or grab both of them, but I'd love you to do some thinking about the second one if you can. What are some actions I can do now to develop my trust in God? And what I'm meaning is this, right? And I, I don't know how to say this carefully. If everything's great now, it's not going to be for long. <laughs> I don't want to be a pessimist, but it's not, we just never go through all of life where everything's shiny and sunny and happy and the bank account's full and there's no rotten floorboards in our house. Or you know, <laughs> There's always something crazy around the corner, either because Satan hates us because he hates Christians and he will try and destroy us, or because we live in a fallen world where people are messed up and society is messed up, creation's messed up, things bad things happen. Or because some of us are just idiots and we're going to make stupid decisions and get ourselves in trouble. So one of those three will bite us at some point. So, so what are some things I can be doing now so that when everything's hitting the fan, I'm like Paul and Silas. I'm so trusting. I'm like Shadrach, Michigan, I'm so trusting. Right. Okay, so we'll grab a friend, have a chat, but just so you know, so yeah, if you're visiting or if you don't want to talk to people, which is all good, just stare at the screen. So don't forget, we do have some immunocompromised people in here who just don't want close contact. So before you pounce on someone, do look, and if they're staring at the screen, it's very possible that God's talking to them, and they really don't want to talk to you because they're having the time with Jesus. So if they're staring at the screen, leave them alone. Otherwise, pounce on people. Alrighty, have a chat. Alrighty, well, that was super loud, sorry, kia ora. Um, what do you reckon, what are some, uh, let's just do the second one, eh? Um, what are some actions I can do now to develop my trust in God or to increase my trust, grow my trust? What do you reckon, anyone got any wisdom? Louise? Yeah, what do you reckon, Louise? I think, I think before we can ask God to uh, trust us and love us, we have to be able to have an understanding of who God is without Yeah, us. yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so Louise is saying before we can even develop a trust in God, we need to have an understanding of who God is, so yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, start at step one, that's cool. What else, what else would people think? Anyone else? Small steps, small things. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool, eh? so John's saying start trusting him now in small things and grow the trust, eh? I, I think that's really good, bro. Yeah, what do you reckon, Liz? Yeah, 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 that's cool, eh? yeah, yeah, Liz is saying her feelings come and go, so therefore she has to base her trust in God in someone concrete who is God and the promises of God and what he says in his word and stuff, yeah, that's awesome, anyone else, John, John, yeah, cool. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's cool, bro. So John, John said he's made a list of ways that God's provided for him in the past, or blessed him in the past, or been there in the past, and that greatly struck. And you see that in the Old Testament, right? That always cracks me up because in the Old Testament, not always, but very often they're building little stone altars, right? Remember when they go to the Jordan River and they take a stone out for each tribe, and then it literally says, "Why? Why are you building that?" And the idea is so that when you walk past here with one of your kids, and they go hey, Dad, what's up with the rocks? It's like, oh, let me tell you about the time that God had us in a really scary situation. It's like, oh, so I think that's a great one, John. Cool. Hey, let's carry on, eh? Um, so my, my thing, when I was thinking about this week, um, you're right, just wandering around in the middle of a sermon? Unbelievable. Nah. Um, I think a, a combination of what a lot of you are saying, it's that or well, Shelly and I were talking about it. It's like you've got to trust God when it's easy because otherwise when it's hitting the fan, it's going to fall apart. So it's learning to trust God now. And I think it's like what John was saying, like looking at your life now, what are the little ways you can trust God, developing that connection with God now? I've got to be reading my Bible regularly. If I'm not, A, Satan just laughs at me because I'm an easy target. But B, I'm just not developing that trust and that faith. So when, not if, things hit the fan, I'm going to fall apart. So reading, reading the Word any time in prayer. Um, The other big thing I think too is making sure I have a good connection with someone who's way ahead of me in the journey of faith, right? So when things hit the fan, I can go to them and say, hey, so-and-so, I'm really struggling. Can you encourage me and support me and strengthen me? Because they have been there, done that. Does it make sense, eh? But you need to have that now. Otherwise, when everything's falling apart, you're like, who do I text? Who do I ring? I don't know. You'll ring me and I'll be like, I don't care, get lost. And I'll delete your text. No, I won't. I'll forward it to Joe and she'll sort you out. No, 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 no. I'm joking, dude. If you're falling apart, through text me. I'm on it. Well, me and Jesus are on it. He's better than me. All right, here's the last one. This is the next. Remember, we're going going up in levels here. Um, Christianity involves trust. Jesus refuses His own will and instead chooses death. And this just absolutely blows my mind, right? Jesus chooses um, death. I've I've put these verses um, on the screen that I want to reflect on. Um, So this is in the garden before his crucifixion. And this is what Mark writes. He went on a little farther and fell to the ground. This is Jesus. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Now, Jesus is about to endure horrendous whipping. Remember, we talked about Paul and Silas. This is next level. The whipping, I've talked about here before, insane, right? People lose internal organs, spines exposed. It's just extreme, right? Jesus is going to endure that. Jesus is also going to die in the most horrible way we've ever created as humans, um, by being crucified, right? Even worse than Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But, and you guys get this, but I'm going to say it again, that's not what he's so worried about. He's not worried about the beating. The whipping, He's not worried about the crucifixion. What he's worried about is this but he sees here. Um, that awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. What he doesn't want to have is the wrath of God poured out on him. Um, I have sinned in the past. I still sin, and I will continue to sin. I fight it, but I continue to sin. I disobey God. Therefore, I should be responsible for my sin. I should endure the wrath of God, the punishment of God. But because God loves me... <laughs> and knows I cannot endure his wrath, he punished Jesus in my place. And the way I always understand it is in those three hours of darkness, God takes the punishment, the wrath that he has for the disobedience and the sin and the, the hatred and the evil of humanity that could only be paid for by being separated God from God forever. He takes that and, and kind of balls it up into one, three hours of incredible wrath and judgment and punishment against us. But puts it on Jesus, and so Jesus in that three hours endures what we should endure, but what we would have to endure for eternity, and somehow God punishes Jesus for those three hours, and I don't even understand what happens, but we know Jesus is freaking out, (laughs) Um, terrified, he prays the same prayer three different times, right, God, I I really want this to pass, but I trust you, (laughs) now do you see what he calls the Father in there, see the verses, Abba Father. So you guys know Abba Father is what a Jewish kid still today calls their parent. And it's like a a, a trusting safe kind of word. So I have a friend who's Jewish and I was talking about this with them and they're like, yeah, I still call my dad Abba. And I was like, oh, that's so crazy. And it's just the, the safe trusting way. And this, so this just blows my mind that Jesus right before he's about to be, remember he says on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me in my hour of need? Why have you left me? But right before he does that, he's still saying, I trust you. You are my other. You are the one who's got me. I'm safe with you, (laughs) even though I'm about to endure your wrath and your punishment. um, It just blows my mind, right? And even though Jesus knows all this is coming, he goes into it with this incredible, strong trust in God, this faith in God. Man, amazing, eh? Amazing? I think it's amazing. Okay, so here's another quote from Pete Gregg and... um, And Nikki Gumbel, just kind of reflecting on this a little bit. I love this quote. Um, No doubt Jesus had a great calling. His reason for coming to earth was to seek and save the lost. You may compare your life with the life of Jesus and think, I just want to make it through the day without falling apart. I love that, eh? But the fact is you are God's partner in transforming this world. And a living prayer life full of intimacy and connection is something that can empower you to do what God has called you to do. I'm going to read that again because I just love this, eh? No doubt Jesus had a great calling. His reason for coming to earth was to seek and save the lost. You may compare your life with the life of Jesus and things. I just want to make it through the day without falling apart. But the fact is you are God's partner in transforming this world and a living prayer life full of intimacy and connection is something that can empower you to do what God's called you to do. Man, I love that, eh? I love that. I'm going to finish with a, a couple of quotes. Um, yeah, let me, let me finish with these. I've just got three little quotes that I really love that to me kind of sum up what I've been trying to talk about. So here's the first one from um, Toby McKeon. He says, Faith isn't a feeling. It's a choice to trust God even when the road ahead seems uncertain. I love that, A, eh? And I know some of you, and I know some of you on podcasts or watching on video, you are going through really uncertain, terrifying times. And I don't say this like, lightly or easily, but you've got to hang on to Jesus. If you don't, it's going to be a heck of a lot worse because <laughs> um, He has you and He, he knows what's coming, right? Um, I love this. Next quote from Joni Erickson Tata. I love this. She says, um, from Corey Boom. whoops, sorry. She says, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. I love that, A. Eh? I love that, A. Eh? You, don't, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, I'm going to pray in a minute for, um, I think Annette's going to pray as well, but we can double-team pray, just for people in Auckland who (laughs) have lost family, um, they've lost everything. They didn't know that on Friday morning, Friday lunchtime, didn't know. Um, But God knew, right? And those that have that trust and that faith in God will be so different from those that have nothing to hold on to. I love that. eh? Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. And here's the last one from a guy whose name, last name I can't pronounce, so I'll just say his first name. Um, John. He said, Jesus stared death square in the face, knowing his fate was inescapable. How did he face it? On his knees in prayer. I just love that, eh? I love that. Jesus knew it was coming, and what does he do? He just goes to... His